This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. If you're like most entrepreneurs, you don't spend a lot of time in finances. We're interested in products and changing the world and doing something great. Revenues, costs, the whole budgeting system seems to be a waste of time or necessary evil. Well, our next guest has the ear of many, many entrepreneurs around the country. He is an outsourced CFO, an individual who is the place where entrepreneurs go to figure out how they can learn more about finances so they can take their company to the next level. If you're one of those people, you don't want to miss our next guest. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Today, we've got a great guest that's coming on. Uh, his name is Alan Wexelbaum. He is the CEO and founder of a great company called the Wexus Group. It's a group that has designed itself to become the ear, the the ear to take the ear, if you will, of businesses from along the country and showing them what's going on with their financial situation. This is something that many businesses are struggling with as they grow. They have a hard time sort of grappling with the complexities of financial um, knowledge and having the right you know habits in place. And the Wexus Group, um, the company that Alan founded, really just goes in there and plays into that niche. It's, it's a great show. We're going to talk about a lot of practical things. It's just great to have him on. Um, and um, you're, you're really going to like it. And so here we go. Alan, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good, Charlie. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course. It's great to have you on. Um, just want to jump in right away. Uh, tell me how you started Wexus. What was the motivation to start the company that you started? I had been working on Wall Street for 16 years. And finally, I decided that I wanted to do something different with my life. And after heavy consideration after much thought of sitting on the beach, I decided that I wanted to work with small companies and it was something that throughout my career, even though I had worked at larger companies, when uh, when I started my career at, a, at an accounting firm, I worked with small businesses. Um, and when I worked on Wall Street, I worked specifically with what was called small or micro cap companies. And I realized that most of the companies that I had met throughout my career had always had rather good managers or management. And those managers were very focused on either product, marketing, or sales. And the one issue that they always seemed to have was in the finance area. Mm -hmm. Many of those companies had 
asked me to help them out in finance area, in finance issues. Um, I was on a couple of boards. I actually helped write some presentations for those companies, and I realized if there was a need for that at the Wall Street level, there probably was a definite need for it in the non-Wall Street, or we'll call it private areas, private sector. Um, and that's how I came up with the idea of becoming sort of an outsourced CFO for companies that were anywhere from a startup to uh, $10 million in revenue. We're actually, thank God, we, we've actually gotten a couple of companies that are now 25 and over. We actually have one company that's about $60 million. Wow. And yes, it's, it's actually very interesting and it's a lot of fun. And the same issues that startups have are the same issues that $60 million companies have and the same issues that companies that were small micro-cap companies had. Uh, it always seems to be that when the businesses start to do well, the finance part of the business is the area that the entrepreneur slash owner has the least knowledge of, has the most fear of, and doesn't know how to attack it. And so let's... What- Let's do that because I think this is really one of the great things that um, the audience can really get out of this show because the idea that you can sort of take us through some of the major issues that are going on in business today from the finance department, especially when we're living in a world of entrepreneurs and many entrepreneurs are good at their craft, right? Many entrepreneurs are good at what they do. They could be lawyers or doctors or podcasters or you know, they can be selling, you know, shoes or hangers. It doesn't really matter, right? People are good at an activity that activity brings value, the value brings money, and they stay in that space. Unless you're trading or unless you're in in a bank and unless you're in the the finance department, you're really not as good as the finance of the activity, which is why probably you're seeing that it gets either thrown to the side if there's enough money in in, in the pocket or it gets sort of fudged around and you know no one really knows and his wife is doing the books or his husband her husband's doing the books or you know the the kid from college who took an accounting course is doing no one really knows what to do with that space and so i think it's really helpful today on the show if you can sort of take us through if you can what are the major blocks if you will that you've encountered that you've seen throughout the business that you've done business with um that can sort of give us insight as to what a company should do or could do to increase their financial capacity. So I, it's funny, you, you hit on something very interesting when you said the guy, kid from college is doing the books or the husband or the wife. And, and I think what happens is, and if there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I think they probably um, fall into one of two categories. One category is people just don't want to deal with numbers so they don't even think about it. The second category is the the owner gets home one day and says, guess what? I bought Quick, QuickBooks. Uh-huh. And now they're all excited. They, they stay there. They load it into their machine and they're putting out accounts and they're doing some, some transactions and, and they really feel like they really have a control over it and they really are enjoying it. And then there's that one, one Sunday where they've said, okay, I'm going to catch up and something happens and now a month's gone by, they haven't caught up, two months have gone by, they haven't caught up and now when they sit down to do it, it just becomes so overwhelming that it's the last thing they want to do. Yeah. And, and I think what happens is when businesses start out very small, it's very easy to keep track of a handful of transactions and when things start to, the pace of business starts to quicken up, People just can't stay uh, can't stay in control or stay ahead of that fast moving business. And 
what happens is, and what we found, the entrepreneurs that are, I don't want to use the word more successful, but more in control of their businesses are seeing right away that this is going to be an issue. And instead of waiting for six months to go by, when they are now going to sit down and have somebody look at their books, they realize within a very short period of time, it's time to have somebody else come and become that um, accountant slash bookkeeper slash advisor. Um, and it starts right away. Um, so we, we have the gamut of companies. We have companies that have started to use us from day one. We have companies that have been in existence for five years and the wheels are totally spinning out of control and they were coming to us and saying, help us. And I, and I think if there is you know, one key lesson to, to get at right away is you don't want the, the accounting function is a very important function because it really can give you the details and the knowledge to how you're doing. But you don't want that to take over your life. And I see too many entrepreneurs that are so so dedicated to making sure they have their hands in everything and they know everything that's going on that the financial part either takes over their lives or they realize it's such a big chore that they just ignore it totally. It's two sets of the it's two opposite ends but it winds up with the same result. So how do you how do you deal with that? I Meaning because I can see my you know, I can see myself, let's say in the companies that I'm involved in or wherever that the the Every time I personally sit down to do a QuickBooks or – I mean, I can't. I just can't get through it. It just is exhausting. It takes me more than it would take probably you to do. It, it's just not part of the, um, the skill set, if you will, that I have personally or that many people have personally. And so what do you recommend that we do? Before you get to a level of out, outsourcing it, I guess that's, a, that's sort of a necessity or a luxury that your company can do. But – Without that being the answer, the what could somebody do today to get a, in better control over their financial house, knowing that it's going to fall back to the wayside, knowing that they're really not good at it? You know, it's not a question of not being analytical. It's a question of maybe not being meticulous enough or not being detail-oriented enough or not seeing the priority enough. Maybe that's the issue. They don't realize that, you know, you got to get up and eat every day and you got to get up and, and do your books every day and you can't let it away. What are the things that someone can do that could enable them that without having to hire someone, get their financial house in order? So assuming that, as Charlie said, as you said, you cannot go out and hire somebody to do that. The most important thing is to dedicate a half hour a day and spend that on making sure that your data is up to date. And what I mean by that is if you've, if you've sent out invoices, make sure all the invoices are in your accounting records. If you've written out checks, make sure they're in your accounting records. We actually, we actually do a bank reconciliation every day for some of our clients. We actually go into their bank accounts and see what transactions occurred in the bank and compare that to what's in their books and records. And whatever's not in there, we adjust to make sure that it's up to date. Because if you do it every day, it's a half hour job at most. If you wait for a week, it's an hour. If you wait for two weeks, it's three hours. Okay. So every day you got to go in there and say, all right, I've got to figure out how to make sure that my banks are my bank statements are right or I got to make sure I know what I spent and so how do I start 
what do I do tomorrow morning to make sure that what program is it an Excel spreadsheet is do I have to go with QuickBooks like what can a company do tomorrow after hearing this podcast and they go I'm in you're right it's a half an hour day I got to put it into my system I got to get my head thinking like okay listen a half an hour day is going to be the you know sort of the proactive approach, then worse comes to worse. It's a day before, you know, tax season, or I got to give her out, get an annual report, or, you know, I thought I had more money in the bank and now I got this big issue. And before I get to that, what do I got to do to get started? So the first thing you should do is all of us default to an Excel spreadsheet because we're, it's a comfort zone. It's, we know how to, everyone knows how to work in Excel. So we go to, with an Excel spreadsheet. My suggestion is go out of your comfort zone and buy a version of QuickBooks and get on QuickBooks right away. It's not difficult. It's the number one program. It's made for entrepreneurs. It's not made for accountants. It's very intuitive. It's not very difficult. Get on QuickBooks right away. And what I what I mean by that is you don't have to worry about very, very difficult accounting issues. You don't have to worry about accruals. You don't have to worry about what I'm valuing the inventory at. Don't worry about any of that stuff. The first thing you should do is set up your bank account so that you know every transaction that you've done is accounted for. There's Most QuickBooks give you like a sample company in which they give you an entire chart of accounts where you will code, the term is code, which means basically if I spent money on a lawyer, I'm going to code it to legal expense. They have a whole bunch of expenses already set up. If you don't know an expense category, you can set up one very easily. So if you have a very particular item in your company that's not in one of the normal expense items, you can set it up. And then it's up to you as you go along. You can get as detail-oriented as you want. You could do general categories. You know, I have certain companies that will just throw everything into auto expense. I have other people, they'll have parking, gas, insurance, repairs and maintenance, traffic tickets. They'll get as detailed as they want. That's your call. That Whatever gives you what you feel is the best knowledge is what you should do. If you want to know such a granular detail, then break out all the accounts. If you're more concerned on the generic level, then just Use one account. That's up to you. All right. So everyone, everyone should at some point, you know, if they want to get ahead in terms of their accounting, needs to go out and get accounting software. Right. It's not a question of building a great Excel spreadsheet because that's not the point. What you're getting at is saying we live in a time where we have software that has done is doing a lot of the job that a CFO or an accountant used to do 20, 30 years ago. Now it's programmed in in, in QuickBooks. And so first and foremost. Everybody that doesn't have it already should be out there getting it, putting themselves. And by the way, even as you're saying it, it sounds like an amazing opportunity for someone to use it as a tool to organize themselves. Correct. Use it as a tool to ask themselves, hey, I just spent $1,000 this week. What did I spend it on? Or right. have I even got paid? Or what, do I, what am I doing so that I, I can really have some level of knowledge of my activities vis-a-vis my finances? And even if you're, I know this happens a lot of times in small businesses, is that you do a lot of stuff and people are doing stuff. Like you're, you're busy, but how much of that stuff is actually productive stuff? Right. So you don't know until you can actually go, holy cow, I didn't even make any money this week. Or you know, this thing never worked out. Or I'm still owed this. Or I'm spending so much money on what? So that this way later on you can actually do some search and say, yeah, wow, I spent this much on you know coffee and you know nothing came of it. Like maybe I got to stop going to Starbucks. Right. Um, so that's sort of sort of 
And that's a great sort of tool that someone can use as a way to keep them honest. Why would I do a half an hour a day? What, are you finding when you recommend this to people, are you finding that people are resisting when, you know, because I got no time, half an hour a day, who has half an hour a day? I think if you're running your own business, I think everything takes longer than you want it to take. So you get you get to work in the morning and you say, I just got to make this one phone call. It'll be five minutes and a half hour later, you're still on the phone and you finally got off. You open up the mail. The mail should take 30 seconds. It takes you 15 minutes. There's nothing that takes five minutes. It just doesn't. Um, I think if you say to somebody, you got to spend an hour doing it, I think the, an hour out of your day becomes a very daunting task. If I tell somebody it'll take you five minutes, it's not going to take you five minutes because it's a little bit more intricate, especially at the beginning. And second, it happens also. You sit down there, you start doing it, the phone rings, you pick up the phone, you get distracted, someone asks you a question. I think if you block out a half hour, I don't think it's a, a, a very big allotment of time. And I think we all have a half hour to spend on it. If we have a half hour to eat lunch or we have a half hour, I know many of you are going to say we don't have even time to eat lunch. Fine. You always find time to do something. And I think a half hour is a reasonable amount of time that you can get done what you're going to get done, especially at the small, when you're, when you're that small um, and you're doing it on your own, I think a half hour is a reasonable time. And I think it's, I think it's as, as everyone probably is finding out when they're running their own companies, the, the discipline that you need is crucial. So if, if you need a delivery of items, you're probably on the phone with your supplier from the minute you do the purchase order until you get delivery. You're probably calling him every five minutes to make sure it's getting there. And I think the same thing, that same diligence has to be uh, on your accounting side. If you're, if you're going to do it yourself, if you let it slide and it becomes an hour two hours, three hours, you're just not going to do it. You're going to see all of these transactions. You're going to go to your bank statement. You're going to see 35 transactions and your eyes are going to roll and say, I, I just I don't have, I, I just can't get my hands around this and I'm going to move on. So I think right. a half hour probably gets you through most of the transactions you have, the invoices if you want to put them in, the, the, the bills that you have, and it'll give you a pretty good idea of what, of what you're what your business is up to. And this, I, I think, would apply as I'm hearing you speak at all levels, right? And this is not, let's say, same like you're on, let's just say, let's assume that you're an employee at a company. So the as an employee, I'm, I'm thinking, and I, I'd like to get your thoughts, this is something that I should, do, should be doing for myself. This should be my own personal finance, right? I should be, everybody, whether or not you're the running a company or you're an employee of a company or you're a division manager and there's a company that you're working for that has tons of people working in an accounting department. It sounds to me that the practice of knowing the inflow and the outflow of the cash of your life is worthy of your time so that you're never in a situation where you just don't know what's happening. You're always making decisions and the only or the preferred way of doing it is the preferred way of doing anything, which is a slow amount every day versus you know an overwhelming deep dive when you'll never have the time. Right, and that's I think that's you've put it very succinctly. It, if you if you wait too long, it's just never going to happen. And I think most of us have that in our personal life, as you said. 
April 15th is approaching. We now have to do our taxes and everyone's scrambling around. Here, where are my receipts? What did I do with the doctor bills? What did I do with my charitable contributions? Everyone's running around trying to find it. And it's the same discipline. And if you can put it into practice at work, you can put it in practice at home. And I think, I think one of the things that most people who start off on their own business, it's not the fun thing to do. Right. The fun thing is to go out there and get a new client. The fun thing to do is to get a new account. The fun thing to do is actually to sell. This is not the fun thing. And, you know, my dad always used to say when we were, when we were little, you know, why do you go play baseball? Because it's fun. Well, if you, make, if you make reading a book fun, you know, it's all a mindset. Yeah. And the truth is, dealing with the accounting is not fun. But it, if the mindset changes just a little bit, and not so much that it's fun, but the discipline will bring me organization, the discipline will make my company better, the discipline will, will give me the tools to make better decisions, then all of a sudden it changes from being, I just got to get this over with, to this is really helping me run my business. Right. And, and I think when you do it in a, in a shorter period of time, I think that helps you as well. I think it's just, it's unfair to take somebody who is an entrepreneurial spirit and make him become an accountant for more than an hour a day. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Right. You know, if you, if you said to me, Hey, Alan, you know, why don't you, I know, I know that you're doing this, but now why don't you go out on, uh, you know, and, and, and start dancing in public? You know, I, I, I can't stand it. Maybe I'll do it for five minutes, but if you told me I could do it for five minutes, my life will be better, I'll do it. But if you tell me to do it for an hour, it's just a task that, I, you know, right. I'm not even going to start. And, and that, I think, is, is the critical distinction, which is what, I, what, I, what you're bringing out, but I want to make sure it drives some, because this really is the nugget that if people really understood, could change their lives, which is, we live in a world where we sometimes look at the world and it's black and white. And it, although we say we're gray, we really are black and white. And so we're saying to ourselves, I'm not this type. This isn't what I do. Um, either because it's not my job, right? I work in a law firm and I got an accounting department or I didn't start a business to be an accountant, right? Like I'm great with people. I'm a people person. And I, you put me in front of somebody and I can shake their hands and close the deal and blah, blah, blah. And so the idea that I got to now go sit behind a desk and work on invoices or hire somebody and oversee them, right? And look at that report at the end of the day and, and get the printout and ask the questions and, and spend that 20, 30 minutes a day. That idea in my mind makes me feel as if I'm not doing that in which I like and it hurts, it's different. And I think the point is that you can't really get to the next level of your business unless this is being done. And so if you have the ability to outsource, even if you're outsourcing, I'm sure you want your clients to say, hey, Alan, you're doing it. This is great, but I want to see it. I want to look at it. I want to check it. The last thing you want is some client to be like, you know, hasta luego, and I'll see it in a year from now. You want people involved. But we, the entrepreneurs, so to speak, think that it's either, oh, I hate doing it, I hate doing it, I hate doing it. But the only way to make it happen, so to speak, is that small little dose. Because you have to make it happen. Right. You can't like, create a business. You can't expect to, to be in a long-term place of success unless you know the, the flow, in business at least, if you know, unless you know the flow, of, or even in personal life, unless you know the flow of your money. And you're not going to do it all day because you can't. That's not who you are. So the only answer now, if you've got to accomplish something and you can't do it in the accounting way, the only answer then is you got to have your doses of information. You got to have your doses of time, right? right. You got to go to the gym one hour a day because if you go all day, you're going to kill yourself. And if you don't go at all, you're not going to be healthy. You got to take the things that are important to you and proactively structure them into your day in a period of time that you can stomach. And that's going to allow you to become better later on. Right. 
And I, I, I think I, just to comment on one thing that you said, which um, was important, but I also don't want it to get missed because there was, there was, when you said eventually you're going to outsource, if you're successful, you're going to outsource this or you're going to hire somebody to come in and be your controller, bookkeeper, accountant. If you don't know what the process takes and you don't understand what the numbers mean, when that individual gives you the numbers, it's not going to mean anything to you because it's almost in a vacuum. But if you've done it from ground one and you understand what the numbers are, now when they give you that information, it's much more meaningful and you have better insight. It's, it's, you can't read a novel without going through A, B, C, D. And when you finally read the novel and you know what all the letters stand for, it makes the novel that more interesting. Right. And it's the same thing here. If you, go, if you do that discipline and you've spent a year or two doing it, you know and you've done it in the correct manner. You know what the numbers mean in your business. So now when you hire somebody else to do it, when they give you the information, not only you're overseeing it, but it, it has clarity as opposed to one of the things that we're seeing with a lot of our clients, they just they don't even have the basic knowledge. So their individual that they have doing it for them they don't know what it means, and the person can't explain it to them. Yeah, that's a great point. A great, 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 great point that I think people don't fully appreciate, which is any aspect of your business that you can't understand the basics of is an aspect of your business that you are right now putting yourself in peril. This happened recently. I was on a on a board, and we did a program, and apparently some of the people, the constituents didn't like it. And one of the board members came back and said, you, you guys did it wrong, and well, everyone's talking about it, and you missed it. And I said, who? And he goes, so many people and so many people and so many people. I said, all right, who? And he's forwarding me a couple of texts and he says, so many people and so many people. And I said, who? And he goes, you don't get it. A lot of people don't like this. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, if I don't know how to get to those people, if I have to rely on one board member to be the sort of the, the, the liaison to the people, I can't do my job, right? Because if I'm supposed to be doing programming as the member of the board and only one board member knows what the people want, you're putting yourself in peril, right? If only one person knows how to interpret something, if only one person has the keys to that safe, then everyone else is at the mercy of that person. If you're running a business and one person in the corner knows what is going on with your finances out of everything, your money, which is the core, if you will, of that business, then you're in a space you're in a space where you're potentially putting yourself at peril because you don't know how to get the information that you need at something as core as your business. And I think that's exactly right. So what you're what you're suggesting if I can just sort of get it is that you're suggesting don't work, don't go to class. Don't go to just just buy a program. You know, jump into the program if you have it already, and take that half an hour a day and just just get in it, figure it out, look over someone's shoulder, see what's going on, and learn on the job whether it's your in your department, whether it's in your personal finances, or whether your company, and create that if you will that daily dose of time for financial knowledge. Right. Amazing. And there are, there are so many ways to get um, more information once you start. Um, you know, it's very funny. I had once asked somebody about a certain business. Uh, it was actually, uh, it had to do with real estate. I said, how do you learn about real estate? And his answer was, and a very successful person, he said, you want to know about real estate? Buy a building. Right, right. There's you only so much you can learn in a book. Right. So, and it's the same thing with, with accounting. 
the amount of knowledge that you need in accounting to run your business is not nearly as much as people think. It's pretty simple. But there's so many tools online. It's amazing how many times if you just Google, how do I do this in QuickBooks? And it comes, it. it comes up. And yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard, but you'll figure it out. I mean, if you're an entrepreneurial spirit, you have that curiosity. Right. You will figure it out. And it'll give you, it'll give you that knowledge that you need. When, you, when your business gets bigger, you'll be able to manage everything as opposed to, as you said before, relying on that one person. And that one person is just going to tell you what they want to tell you. Right. Or what they know. Or what they know. Which is not something that you know. And they've right. been missing your perspective, which is the key to it all. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and unfortunately, when things are going... Knowledge is not that important when things are going well. Right. It's when things start to change and now you don't know why or you can't figure it out because... You've never really analyzed it. You don't understand the levers of your business. Every business has a key component that you have to understand what's changed and why it's changed. Right. Um, we, we deal with a couple of manufacturing companies, and they need to know they're very focused on labor, very focused on labor, very focused on labor. Well, a couple of years back when, when oil prices were rising, it affected the inputs to their business, and they never really looked at the material aspect of it as well as they should have. They were always focused on the, on the labor side. And we were sitting there one day, and we were just talking about how their margins have changed, and their response was, well, why should our margins have changed? We're still paying you know, everybody $15 an hour. I said, well, what about the material? Well, the material is never that big of a deal. Well, the material became a bigger deal. It went from being 20% of the product to 30% of the product. Again, it's not not a huge because labor was still the bigger part, but you know, yeah. now all of a sudden, 5-10% of what they thought they were making is now gone. I mean, yeah. all these things, but if you had been there doing the bills and seeing all those little levers and how they interplay they would have had a better understanding. Right. And, and that's a great sort of segue to the next point. And this is an area that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I'm, I'm think, I think you alluded to it a little bit, which is sort of, in your opinion, what makes a company successful? You've seen it on the inside. Um, and one area that I, I think is an area that you just started talking about is the ability to understand the levers of a business. I see this a lot with businesses where people think that the way business works is a series of sort of home runs. It's the Babe Ruth approach, right? You sit at the plate and you hit a couple over the fence and then you think you're killing it. And the way business really works is a whole bunch of singles, a whole bunch of singles. Maybe you get a double, maybe you crack one down the line and you get a triple. And then if you get a home run, you got three men on base and it really matters a lot. And the only way you can actually hit singles and get your job done every day, a little bit better every day, is when you understand the levers, the nuances. You know that you're charging this amount of money for your service and your margins are this. And you can raise your price by 5%, 15%, 20%, and the market will bear it. And then you put that over the course of the life of the year and you really have more revenue. It's the ability to know what you do and then toy, if you will, with the service you're doing to make it better and better and better and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper versus sitting around the whole day and go, okay, what, what product's going to kill the market? Because most of the time, it's that constant sort of grind of getting your product better and better. And I'm guessing that unless you understand the finances of it, it's hard to make those decisions. Right. Most, most of the people, as, you, as you're in business longer and longer, your gut actually 
is starts to work better and you have a gut feeling of what's working and what's not working. But as a young entrepreneur, somebody who's starting out, you don't have that experience. And the key is, is the data and is the facts. And I think what, what happens a lot of times is, and this is another reason that you always want to go through your data or your transactions on a daily basis, our minds are not as clear as we think they are. And many times what often happens is I'll be sitting with an owner of a business and I'll ask him, what do you think happened this year? And there might be one or two instances that strike him as being a significant event. We lost this customer or um, you know, our shipping costs went way up. There's sometimes that there's a thought process but it was maybe a very big jump at one point in time. But if you look at the picture of the whole year, you'd find that they were way off. And that all of a sudden, you know, a lot of the internet companies that we deal with, marketing expenses are a very, very, very big part of the cost structure. And you'll sit down and they'll say, yeah, the marketing expenses killed us. It was really tough. And then you go and you look at it and you wind up that this year versus last year, the marketing expense was actually down a couple of percent. Mm-hmm. But what did kill them is the shipping costs last year they were giving they were charging three dollars for every order and this year they gave free shipping for x percent you know those types of things that they didn't really think about mm-hmm. can have a dramatic impact and that's part of part of the reason that you want to have numbers is you want the you want to prove that you're right, right. you need data you need data and a lot of times we think we know right. and there's no data to support it and if you don't understand how the numbers flow and how they work you don't even know where to find the proof or the data right. to show that you're right or wrong right and and it's all it's all tied in and you know for for some some people out there who are good at this naturally they're probably listening and saying it's no big deal. I know this. I know this. And, and there are people that intuitively know it or have been trained this way. But there are so many other people that, and you know, we deal with them. They, they're just they're great people. They have great ideas. They're great with people. They, they have in, incredible, incredible talents. And then this is the part that gets them undone because there's just not the fo- they would never ever think of not focusing on another end of their business. This they just feel it'll take care of itself. Right. And when it doesn't, they're just like, what went wrong? Right. And that's what a great point. And, and I see this happening across the world in every area in terms of data and analytics. You know, everyone knows the famous money ball story of the, you know, Billy Bean, right, from the Oakland A's that said, hey, I know you got a bunch of scouts sitting around with their gut saying, hey, this guy's a pitcher and this guy's a great hitter and this is how you win baseball games. And he's going, let's look at the numbers and let's just see, like, just let's analyze this. And you're seeing this idea sort of sweep itself through every area. Um, it's almost, it almost seems like it's intuitive to the business world, but it's not. And, and that's why, because you look at the product, you look at the, the player, you look at the gut of the owner, and that owner may have had, you know, gut really comes down to a world of neuroplasticity, right? Your brain, every time it has a thought, makes a connection. And the more you have that same thought, the stronger the connection gets. And so if I've got 10 years of knowing how to do my business, I'm gonna, my gut's going to orient itself around how to do my business that way. And then all of a sudden the world shifts on me. And now computers are, are, are moving, you know, Moore's Law at like a pace that's outpacing what I've ever experienced. And all of a sudden things are changing, but my gut is still stuck in, in 1999 or in 2007, which really 
is isn't so far away. But it, yeah, in, in computer life and in, in in business life, two thousand seven is like you know a hundred years ago. And so the if you don't have the ability to have some level of data that tells you how you're doing, I'm thinking to myself like in the world of media. You know, the world is shifting from, you know, ratings to subscriptions online and, you know, places like Netflix are exploding because they're able to use data. They know who watches what and when they turn it off and what this is a total game change. And the guy's sitting around the back room going, I think the show's going to work because this show always works. This is, you know, you get this character and that character and Netflix saying, okay, that's great guys. But I can tell you specifically what works because I have data and at the very least, if you're running a business or a company or you're in a division or you're an employee or you're an employer, at the very least, if you don't have the data of the finances of your company, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage to what activities to take to do within your company. And I know many people that if they would just take a step back and go, okay, I know this feels like the right thing to do because this is sort of the harder thing to do or this is sort of the more popular area or I get more exposure here. But this actually makes more money. And so if I just shifted and I put 20% more into this thing that no one's paying attention to this service, this add-on, right? And I could make enough money where I reduce my risk on this other area here so that I can really get stand up to bat and try to go for that home run knowing that I've put this into place. And unless you have that level of data, you can't do it. And I think that's what you're getting at here is that the way you grow a company, you start by knowing what's sort of the ins and outs of the company. Right. There's there's a saying there's a saying on Wall Street that if you have a choice between a great product and a lousy manager and a great manager and a lousy product, invest in the great manager with a lousy product. Right. Because he'll figure it out. Right. You bet and, the jockey, not the horse. Correct. And I think what happens is as entrepreneurs, and I throw myself into that category because I've started a couple of businesses and now started this one. I think that a lot of times we get fall in love with the product or the service or the process and we forget that the management of that is is really important. And I think what happens and it's it's I find this not only in business, I find it in in life in general. The the, the biggest issue that we that I see that I have and people that I'm friendly with and deal with is at any point in time, you got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. What that decision is, is irrelevant. There are decisions you have to make in life, whether where you send your child to school, what neighborhood you're going to live in, what school you're going to go to. There's always a decision to make. And there are, in business, there are multiple decisions. And when you get paralyzed, it's not because you really don't know which way to go, it's because you really don't have the information you want to make that decision. I love that. I and, love what you just said. And I love that. That's so true. And in business, it's even worse. That's so you know, true. When, when you're trying to figure out what neighborhood you want to live in, you may not know anybody there, but then you start to meet people and you do I your backup. In business, the problem that I find that a lot of people have is they don't know what to do and the reason they don't know what to do is because every decision that they're making is made in a vacuum because they don't understand the nuts and bolts of what they're trying to do. Well, oh, I love sh- that. Should we go into this product? Well, maybe we should go into the product, but can we afford to lower the price? Can we afford to you know, allocate these resources? Can we invest in this 
um, can we invest in this new technology or this new machinery? And the, and, and the reason that now businesses start to fail, and I've been with a couple that have failed, and when we, when we were in one in particular is because we didn't make a decision. If you make a decision, I know this is going to sound crazy on a certain level. If you make a decision and it's wrong, you can correct it. If you don't make a decision, there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. You have to make a decision. And that's something that I tell all the companies we work with. Just make a decision. It doesn't matter. I, 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 but but I, here's, a, here's the caveat to what you're saying. What you're saying here is make a decision and make sure the decision is being connected to some level of data. Correct. Because if you make a decision in a vacuum or going on a gut and it's wrong, you can't make a better decision next time. No. And, and you can't even make a decision because- You don't know how you, what, we're you, right or wrong. Right. If you make it on the data, you're not going to be wrong. And, and even and if you are wrong, you're going to fix the data next time. Correct. And you'll, and you'll learn what part of the oh, data- Oh, is that good stuff? What part of the data you had to switch or maybe that data wasn't important enough in that decision. But it enables you- to make a decision. Uh-huh. And in your area, I mean, this is something that's important in every area, but just to stay focused on what we're trying to accomplish here is that in your area, what you're really getting at is if you're making financial decisions and you do not have the financial data because you haven't spent the time either setting it up or reviewing it, you're making decisions in a vacuum. You're going with a gut. And that's not going to serve you over the, over the life of your business. If you want to have a business, whatever the business is, you can, you can weave baskets it doesn't really matter. Right. You got to know the financial data so that when when you make a call, if it's right, great. If it's wrong, you now have additional information that you can put into your data to allow you to make better decisions later on. And so if you're over the life of your business, you're going to get so much better at your business because you now know this sounds great. It's not going to make me money. This happens to every entrepreneur. I know you've gone through this. I've gone through this. There are so many ideas, and when you start something, you're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my, no, no, no! All, all!" You walk away, you're like, "I just can't wait to start raking in all this money because every idea makes sense." Then you do some of them, and you're like, "Well, that didn't make any money, and those were those those were assumptions that I shouldn't have made, and that's going to take me three extra years." I didn't. I thought everything would work overnight. Who would have thought that it takes time to build a business? Right. So you've got all these sort of experiential moves that are allowing you to say, okay, when idea number 80 comes and go, all right, you listen, it's a good idea, but now I process it with 79 decisions that were somewhere right, somewhere wrong beforehand. And what you're getting at, and I want, what I want the listeners to fully appreciate here is that every one of those decisions, if you do not have your financial data in order or in the process, you are hampering, you are handicapping yourself from making the next decision better. Right. Because you don't have enough information to take the nuance and understand why the decision was right and wrong. And so you're really costing yourself money. It's 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 unbelievable the amount of time that you're investing to do this. I, I got to put it into my life now. I mean, like as you're saying, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense. Why well, haven't I thought about this? The, the half an hour you put in every day, it's like health, right? It's like eating healthier, going to the gym. Right. You want to live an extra 10 years? Well, then go to the gym when, you, when you're younger. So that extra hour a day it comes back at you on the back end, right. right? And it keeps you out of the hospital. I mean, listen, but this is what you're saying financially. You want to make sure that you're around financially for a very long time. You want to make sure you live a long, happy, and prosperous financial life. Well, then do the right things. Create the right habits. Don't just you know live your life on the, I thought I heard Warren Buffett does, is drinking six cans of Coke and eating like, you know, <laughs> ice cream. You, you take care of yourself young, 
whatever that is in your business life, and that'll take care of you later on. Right. That's great. And 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 I, I think it's something that if we all fully understood and appreciated, we'd actually be able to to put into practice. And one of the things that I hope is is clear um, from this is that you don't have to be in the financial business. In fact, the further your business is from finances, the more it's important, right? The people that are in media or that are in, in medicine or that are social workers that are trying to quote unquote save or change the world that maybe think that money is not exactly what they should be pursuing. It is those people in particular that need this even more because that's sometimes where you're making even more subtle decisions, where you're making tougher calls than I got to buy a product for this price and sell it for this price. When you're The further you get away from that level of finances, the more nuanceable it gets, the more confusing it gets, the more the knowledge you get is less um, astute when it comes to finances. And money is, you know, it's gas in the car. You don't got it. You ain't going nowhere. Right. What do you think? Before we end, I want to ask you this question because I have you here and I know that, that it's getting late. If you'd have to think of one thing from all the companies that you've worked with that is the ingredient that makes them successful, besides the data, we spoke, what is what else, if you can think of one other thing that you said, okay, if I'd have to take a step back right now on the gut, I, we didn't prepare, prepare this, and look at the CEOs that I see that make it and the CEOs that I see that don't, and, and you know what's happening from the inside, right? You're looking at, the, you're like the doctor, you're looking at the guts, you're not looking at the, at, at the, the periphery and going, that looks like a good business, and then you're looking and going, that looks great, that guy looks like he's doing amazing, the guy can't pay his bills. What's the difference that you see in successful individuals that launch companies and, and those that don't? It's a great question. I, I think that there, there are two characteristics, but they kind of go hand in hand in hand. The people that are the most successful are somewhat driven by the need to succeed. They, they look at whatever they do, whether it's business or elsewhere, and they just want to succeed. They want everything to be in order. They want to build a great business and a great company. and But that's not enough. I think when I say it goes hand in hand, I think the part that makes within that group the most successful is that they leave nothing to chance. And what I mean by that is everything is a little bit of a gamble. You, you go into a new product, you start a new business, there is a gamble. However, there's been a huge analysis of what is the probability that this is going to work out? And they don't leave anything to chance. So when they hire somebody, they make sure that the person is the right person within the culture. And when they're not, they get rid of them. They don't sit there and wait a year, a year and a half, two years to see, maybe it'll work out. They're very decisive people. It's not working out, cut my losses. I bought a whole bunch of product because I thought I could sell it. They don't leave it in the warehouse for two years to see that maybe it'll come back. They say it didn't work out, they sell it. So I think there's a decisiveness that is key and also understanding every part of their organization is important from the person who answers the phone to the salesperson, to the accountant, to the janitor who comes to clean the, the offices. Every the guys who are really successful, and that's why I say it's all kind of interrelated. They're driven people, but that drive says to them, "I can't leave any stone unturned. I want to make sure that everything is in order." And that's what they do. They attack every part of their business, and they decide, "This is what I'm going to focus on today because this part of my business seems to be faltering." 
customer service. I don't like the way the customer service is acting. It's not doing what I want. They change customer service. They're never happy with where they are, not because they're unhappy people, but it's that strive to be the best. And that's why I say that you always want to bet on a good manager. I love and, that. And, they, and these are good managers. They just understand that everything has a place and everything has a process and they want that place and process to be as good as it can be. And that, that leads me to thinking it from the perspective of in versus out. And we've had other people here on the show and one of the things that I've gotten from them is this idea that great business leaders, great business people, they go in. They don't go out. You have a product, you have a service, you delve into the service, right? You figure out how to make that service better. You figure out the add-ons or the extras of that service. You don't have a service, play with it for a couple days and then work it and then go to the next service. You don't run multi-level national company until each and everything that you touch is deeper and better and better and the opportunities that you get come from within the current opportunity so you're good at something you become so good at it that from within that you see more opportunity versus other people that go i'm good enough and then let's move on the next thing i'm good enough then over the next thing and they're constantly bouncing never going five inches deeper than anything and so they're always good at something but they're never really that good or amazing at it and whereas Great entrepreneurs, I find, great business leaders, and this is exactly what you're saying, is they go in. They, they want to know every nuance of that business. They want to know everything going on. And once they're in something and they can really be great, that's where they see the opportunity because they're the best at what they do. And when you're the best at what you do, the next, the connected opportunity now starts to become available. It's like a tunnel, right? right. You got to go through the tunnel until you can see like, oh my gosh, that's where the other side is. You don't just go in the tunnel and go, all right, there's a tunnel and you back out and go around the corner the next tunnel. You just, you can't get anywhere. You got to take that road and when you take that road, you trust that it's the right road. But what you're adding here, and I mean the whole thing, which is amazing. And one of the things that I want to sort of end with is this is how to do it. Meaning like, People think that the, 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 the way to get good at something is you become a better provider at something. And what I, what I want to make sure is clear from our conversation is that one of the most important areas that you need to be really good at is your financial health. And, and that's going to be something that most people don't want to do. And something that, you know, that's like we say, like, you know, the, the, the greatest job of lawyers is that they read things no one wants to read, which is right. why we write it in Latin for, because right. we want to write it in a way that no one wants to read it. Because right. if people want to read things or people stop writing things, lawyers would be out of jobs. So you actually hire someone to read your you know, phone bill because the, the, the print's too small and they use too many words. And you're just like, here, I don't care. This, this, this document has a lot of words on it. And let me pay you a lot of money just to sit there and go through it a couple of times. But in this case, what you're saying is, I know you don't want to do it, but you know, guess what? If you want to be great at whatever you're touching, um, even if it's you know you're, you're clocking into a factory, you got to make sure you know everything about your finances, or you're just going to miss the most important indicator. And when you do that, and you do it well, and you take that time, now you're building the necessary habits that you need that'll give you the information that'll allow you to make decisions to become the best that you can be. Um, how do how do people reach you if they want to find out more about your company? If you want to find out more about our company, we have a website which is wexusllc.com, which is W-E-X-U-S-L-L-C.com. Um, you can see us there. We have uh, two offices. You can find us at one of those. You can give us a call. Um, and uh, that's, the best, that's the best way to get hold of us. When you do call, tell them that Charlie <laughs> sent you so that you'll get the extra special treatment. Alan, thank you so much. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.